on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, Bad Dirt. What makes Bad Dirt so bad? The answer? The ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like Bad Dirt's murdering days are over, thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thank you for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that says after 2020, we will all know what it feels like to be a bubble boy. Here is the captain. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Please do not touch the bubble. Today, friends, we are drinking must Go Faster by one of the very best brewers in the business. That's Tactical Brewing Company. This is a delicious Imperial New England IPA. Double dry hopped with Sabro and Citra. 9.3% ABV garage grade 4 and 3 quarter bottle caps out of 5. And here's a cheers to some of our friends that are just as hopped up for today's show as I am. Here's a happy holidays cheers to Hunter and Northwood, New Hampshire. And a big shout out to Allison in Amarillo, Texas. A huge thank you and big time cheers to our friend Jordan O in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. And a big We Like Your Jib goes to Kyle R in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Here's a cheers to Lisa in Canvas Barron, United Kingdom. And last but certainly not least, we have Kristen in Mount Airy, Maryland. Everyone we just mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com and helped out with this week's beer fund. And for that, we thank you. Yeah, B-W-E-R-U-N, beer run. Make sure when you're at the website to sign up on our mailing list. We'll be sending out all next year. We'll be sending out discount codes. And all you have to do is sign up on the mailing list to get those. All right, that's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. All right, boys and girls, Captain, this is something we've been wanting to do for a while. 
I guess, at least the entirety of 2020 as we've been putting together great shows and great cases for the whole year. Every one of them was great. That was, we took a vote and everybody confirmed every one of the shows was absolutely great. But you and I are going to talk about the ones that we enjoyed the most. Yeah, we put out a poll and everybody said every episode was number one. (laughs) Tied for number one. Some would say it was the best year we ever had. (laughs) Some would say that. Um, So today we're going to each talk about our top five, our five favorite shows of this last year of the great year that was 2020. I like to think that, you know, about 15, 20 years from now, when we're sitting around and we're all very old and we're sipping our beer, maybe we're drinking it through a straw at that point Mm -hmm. that we're going to go, Hey, you guys remember that year when we stayed inside and didn't go anywhere? (laughs) That was nice. That was nice. And football was completely weird. The Buckeyes are looking for their sixth victory here in December. All right. Without further ado, uh, I'm I'm assuming we gave Carlos the day off. He's not here to count us down. No, he's not here. We we got to get. We had to lay people off because of because of the COVID. We got to talk to him and see if we can get him back in the garage for 2021. Said he will not work for free. <laughs> All right, Captain, here is my number five for best of 2020. The responsible side of me said to go with the I-70 killer because it's such a fascinating mystery. Where did the killer go? Why did he start abruptly and then stop abruptly? But the fanboy side of me went with our Mindhunter John Douglas episodes. This would be episodes 445 and 446 from November, from just last month of this year. I went with this because it's no secret the Colonel loves John Douglas. I His books are fantastic. I've been a fan of his career and everything that he has done. And the interesting thing that we had with this year's episodes and this year's interview with him, one, we've been very lucky to interview John Douglas at all, right? I mean, he is the top name in true crime, in my opinion, in this in this form of infotainment that we do. Yeah, if not the top name, at least in the top five of top names. Correct. I mean, we've talked to Paul Holes. He's fascinating. He's he's considered one of the big names. He's fascinating. He's handsome. He's very handsome. That's right. Yeah. And he's passionate about all the unsolved cases out there. And I love hearing Paul talk about the Delphi case. He's one of the top names. We've met Nancy Grace. Top mom. Times she is, is is such a delightful person and in, incredibly funny and charming. She's one of the top names, but for me, I think the top name is John Douglas. So yeah. we've been lucky to interview him. He spoke with us last year. And last year it was like, okay, please stick to the book that's coming out. That's the killer across the table. And he doesn't do very many shows. So Mm -hmm. when he did our little garage show and, uh, and then agreed to do it a second time, I thought, well, either, either we fooled him or he likes the garage. So this time he just said, or he's drunk, Nick, you guys come up with whatever you want to talk about. Right. So he walks into this interview 
no idea what random questions the colonel's going to throw at him. We talked about everything from uh, the Zodiac to JonBenet Ramsey to the West Memphis Three. I just peppered him with questions, all these old cases, cases that he worked as an FBI agent or cases that he worked as a consultant after he retired. Some cases he just looked into for the media's perspective. Yeah, he only had one requirement was there's no captain. (laughs) I think he likes this table's not big enough for the both of us, Captain. He likes the captain. But yeah, I I was just such a pleasure to have John Douglas on the show again and it was it, it just made my day, made my whole week in fact, to hear him say, Hey, I'd like to come on again next year. So we're hoping to have Mr. Douglas, the mind hunter on again next year in 2021. Well, and just think about it all all those years ago, sitting in the hot garage laptop. I think the laptop fan was going a million miles a minute. (laughs) Sweat dripping down. We had two mics, but only one of them was nice. If I would have told you after that episode, Hey, guess what? A couple years from now, you're going to interview John Douglas twice. You would have been like, you must be really drunk this episode. <laughs> and I would have said, I am. You're a liar. Yeah, so that's my number five there, boys and girls. Mine Hunter John Douglas, episodes 445 and 446. If you've not checked those out, because some, some people do not dig the interview shows. I get that. They want more of the storytelling with a new case. If you have followed the Zodiac, John Benet, West Memphis Three, I can't even think of all the cases we talked about. We, we like talked about Mind so many. Hunter, of them. If you like Silence of the Lambs, if you like Red Dragon, that's right. He gave us a little insight into the Mine Hunter season three as well. Uh, so yeah, or the check lack that thereof. out. <laughs> Correct. So check. Check that out uh, if you enjoy any of those old cases. My number five is, I guess, self-serving because the more I went over the list of shows for 2020, I kept on going back to the fact that the the Hi-Fi Murders, to me, that might have been my best theme music all year. So I had to put that on the list High Five Murders, episodes 402 and 403. And anybody with the Stitcher app that wants to go back and listen to some of these older ones, they have the ability to do that. If you don't have the Stitcher app, you get it for free and check out these old episodes. The Hi-Fi case is a very interesting one. It's, It's a, spoiler alert if you've not listened, it's a solved case. But the police work... The investigation is very interesting. The The brutality of the crime is horrific. Yeah. And really, at the end of the day, it was thought to be that it was just some goons that were looking to steal some very expensive stereo equipment. And they're going to go in and rob this stereo store, take all of the, the expensive equipment that they have. But it turns ugly very, very quickly. It's a it's a horrific case. Thank God that it's solved, but a very interesting one. And it gives it, it gives you the perspective of a very violent crime and a very thorough investigation that followed 
along with the trials and such that took place. That will bring me to my number four there, Captain. I went with Taylor Robinson. This was a case that we were asked to be involved in to to shine a spotlight on this case. Taylor Robinson was a 19-year-old Kent State student. She was studying to be a nurse and worked as a home health care aide. Taylor was known as a kind person who volunteered at church and worked with special needs children. Just a fantastic person, somebody that we need. We need more people like Taylor Robinson in this world. One night in May of 2013, her mother dropped her off at work. She was working at a house and she would stay overnight to watch a special needs child. The mother of the child was at work and the next morning when Taylor's mom went to the house to pick her up, Taylor wasn't there. The mother of the child who arrived home shortly before yells at Taylor's mom because she's like, you know, where is your daughter? She left my my child home alone all night long. Taylor's mother explains that she dropped Taylor off, that she was there. She's as concerned as, as the patient's mother is. Taylor's coat and shoes were left at the house. There's no sign of Taylor. So immediately her mother and her family, they know something terrible has happened. And it wasn't until four months later that bones were found at the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. This is 15 miles away from where Taylor was working that night. Her clothing was found within a mile of her remains. She was found in a heavily wooded area in a heavily wooded part of the park. This is an area that would not be easily accessible by vehicle. When we covered this case, Captain, we pretty much laid out for everyone what happened that night. And without naming names, we, we, We're not given the ability by law enforcement to name names here in this particular case, but they have pretty much narrowed it down to two people. Either one of these individuals was involved in her murder and more importantly, the disposal of her remains because she would not have been easy to move to the location where she was found. So they actually believe that two people were involved in the I hate to say this, the cleanup of the murder itself and getting rid of Taylor's body. And we were asked to get involved and spotlight this case. It's one that's near and dear to my heart. So I put it at number four on my list. And as a reminder, anybody in Northeast Ohio, let me know if this came true. Because the rumor was last year when we covered it, that soon they were going to be putting up billboards with Taylor Robinson's face and her name and information on there to help bring more awareness to the cause and to her case, her unsolved case, one that is now what I would deem a cold case. I don't know if that happened or not. You know, the 2020 has been wacky and wild, so a lot of things have not come to fruition. But if anybody's seen those billboards, please email me. Let me know. I would love to know if those are up. And just a quick reminder too, if anybody has any information, even if this is stuff you've been holding on to for years and and haven't been able to tell anybody, we have a gentleman that you can reach out to, Tim Demoff. He's with the uh, SACS Consulting. He's been working with Taylor's family to solve this case. He can be reached at 330-730-3524 330-730-3524 or by email 
at tademoff at sacsconsulting.com. All right. Number four on my list is Mara Murray, the Julie Murray interview. Those That's episode 368 and 369. And I think it's because, well, one, it's the first long form interview that she's pretty much ever done. And then they, the family wanted to use the interview to put on their website for people that are looking into their sister, their daughter's, their family member's case. Mara Murray being a girl that disappeared in 2004, her case has really become one of the most famous cases on the internet for people to dive into. So I think the reason why I like it is the idea that we're adding to an investigation. We're adding something to the true crime community. It wasn't just our take on possibly what happened. Uh, we were working with their family to get an interview where Julie would be able to talk openly about her sister. And that kind of just gives you a better profile of the victim. It was a fascinating interview. And I know you and her go well, kind of way back, bit of friends. So it was very interesting to listen in on what is an interview, but also just generally a conversation and about Mara's case. And some of it really cleared a few things up too. I believe that were just things that were misconstrued over the years about Mara, her personality, her, her characteristics and the case itself. So it was a fascinating look. And I think you're right. I think it did very much add something to the true crime landscape for that case in particular. My number three, captain, we're moving right along here. I went with Jabez span. This is a case that we covered in January Episodes number 366 and 367. This case is eerily similar to Taylor Robinson's case that we covered in June of last year. That was episode 406 and 407, if I failed to mention that earlier. But Jabez's case is eerily similar in a sense that police pretty much know who did this or, or have a good idea of who was involved to the point right. where they have the names of these yahoos that committed this crime. And we came under some fire because I, I, I must've said the word thugs about a thousand times during those episodes, but I don't know if there's a better term to label people that, that kill others in the streets and then abduct a child. I mean, we're talking about people that are out committing crimes constantly, and then they're committing murders to cover up their other crimes. And that's what these individuals are. And the, the Sarasota Police Department desperately needs help in Jabez's case, which also is very much involved with several other homicides that they have out there. They've been able to close some other cases that are that are connected to Jabez's case, but they still need help. We're talking about Jabez, our victim here. He was 14 years old when he disappeared on Labor Day in 2017. He was last seen at a candlelight vigil in Sarasota, just two blocks away from his home. Now, a witness saw Jabez with two other boys around one in the morning, and he disappeared within an hour or two of that sighting. It was January of 2020 when we covered it, 
And that was roughly about a year since his skeletal remains were found. He had been missing from his home since September of 2017. His mom and grandmother and family were just destroyed and devastated by him having gone missing. And then, of course, years later, they find his remains. And that was from a a press conference that took place in February of 2019 when the Sarasota police and the Manatee County Sheriff's Office reported that a man working a fence line in a rural part of Manatee County found the remains of, of just 14 year old Jabez span a a kid with a beautiful smile. Look, he was a teenager. He wasn't a saint. Neither was I when I was 14 years old, but mm-hmm. he had his whole life ahead of him. And I think Jabez would have went on to do some great things. And this really stinks because It's the murder of a child, but also the murder to cover up other homicides and other crimes in a particularly bad area of what is a good community, what is a good area, uh, Sarasota, Florida. The police say that they are still asking for anyone who has any information. Again, they know who did this. They just need some evidence and they need to build cases against these individuals. That's right. Plural individuals. You, we need to get these people off of the streets because they're a danger to everyone in that community. They need people to come forward. The reward money for information leading to an arrest in Jabez's case, I believe, believe is up as high as $50,000 and people can submit tips anonymously to crime stoppers down there at 941-366-8477. Or you can reach out to the Sarasota Police Department. Just a word to the wise, something we've talked about plenty of times on True Crime Garage. If you do have information and you are willing to come forward in any case at all, if you call Crime Stoppers, it's anonymous to the point where you cannot even leave your name or any of your information. They do not want it. So if you want to be contacted, if you want to be involved, if you think that there's more help that you can provide at a later date, a later time, call the police department and make sure that you give the tip to them directly. Ask to speak with the detective involved. The Sarasota Police Department, in this case, is the investigating agency. Their number is 941-366-8000. I'm sure if he really wanted to leave your, your information, you'd be able to figure it out. Well, um, good luck. I mean, I've I've contacted Crime Stoppers in the past, and I've insisted on leaving my information, and they they will not take uh, personal information. No, it's sad. And uh, 2021 cleaning house—that's what we'll be doing. If you're listening to a show and you and and individuals take a 14-year-old and kill him and dispose of his body because he witnessed the murder, another murder, so they murder him to cover up that murder, we'll call those individuals whatever the fuck we want to. Well, and there's there's rumor, too, and some suggestion that they may have even held Jabez for a period of time before before the homicide and before disposing of, of the, the body. I, I just, I'm so tired. You can't, you just called them thugs. Well, the captain probably called them pieces of shit too. 
and and we won't get emails about that, but we get some silly emails sometimes, and you just think they killed a fourteen year old boy, and, and, <laughs> and what you're concerned about what, label, about what label we give them. You're worried about what label we gave the murderers. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, that's where I say focus on the victims, focus on the crime, and let's uh, let's do our part to help rather than just be speed bumps along the way. But that was Jabez's case, and we covered that back in January of 2020. Interesting case. It was one that, that of course, that we're passionate about, and that's why it's on my list, but also interesting from the perspective of yet another case where we worked with the private investigator. This is an interesting case where the, the, the private investigator, usually they work with the family, with family members of victims. In this case, they worked for basically the community. They worked with the family, obviously, but they worked with law enforcement and worked with the community as a whole. And one thing that we were really pounding our fist on the table when we when we covered Jabez's case is that is what this case is. It's a crime against that community, against that family, against Jabez, of course. But in this case, very, very much a crime against the community as a whole. All right. My number three is a series we did called Shaker Heights. Again, pat on the back because it was an excellent theme song. Excellent. And if people don't know, well, go back and listen uh, to that theme and and listen for the shaker. The shaker. <laughs> That's the best part. The rump shaker. Listen for the rump shaker. I think it's because it was different. I think the case is very fascinating. Obviously, it's not solved in some people's eyes, solved in other people's eyes. But I think it was just working with with everybody from... Uh, Bob Ruff to Tim from the Missing Mara Murray, working with Maggie, James Renner, a bunch of other true crime people just to try something different. We had the transcripts of these interviews that took place, and we tried to lay out the story in a different manner than we normally do. And also, just let the transcripts speak for themselves. We didn't go, hey, this is what we think you should think. Um, which a lot of people at the end went, wait, wait a second. I'm used to you telling me what you think. You forgot to do this in that series. <laughs> so um, that's right. So some people have, <laughs> people have requested, you know, that we cover the case our typical way, our normal form. But I think it was just, I mean, it was a very long process between recording the other people and then editing those all together and tweaking everybody's vocals to try to make them sound similar to little sound effects. If, if you listen closely, you'll hear like fax machines and stuff going off in the background during uh, some of the interviews or the interrogation. So it was just kind of a different project. And it was definitely a different project. It was kind of like, a, I mean, it was a radio drama of how a case, a real life case unfolded. And one thing that I think is unique, and we'll take everybody behind the curtain here for a little bit, but obviously it was, it was fun for us because we got to work with a lot of the friends that we've made along the way in our true crime podcasting adventure here. But 
we started working on that that show, the actual production of Shaker Heights, which was six episodes that came out in February. But we started working on that in our free time, in our extra time, after already working on our each case week after week in October of 2019. Yeah. So it was very much a long process for the colonel and the captain, but it was fun along the way. And it was, um, we had to have a little party, a little two man garage party when it was finally completed because it was, it was a lot of hard work went into putting that together. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. 
To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. We're back. Cheers, mates. Let the good time, let the good times roll. Let the good times roll. Let the good times roll in 2020. Cheers to you, Captain. Cheers from I'm a whole county away. We are playing it safe. That's how you you social distance. You you stay counties counties away. away. Minimum 15. We're both wearing our masks. Minimum of 15 miles apart in all directions from anybody who's living and breathing. That goes for our furry friends as well. So long distance cheers to you, my friend. Number two, we are just blazing right through our list, blazing through all of 2020, burning that bridge, right? That gives us number two on the Colonel's list. I went with the Evansdale murders. This was episodes 330. I'm sorry, 393 and 394 back in April. This was the case of Cousins Lyric Cook, 
10 years old and Elizabeth Collins, eight years old. They were riding their bikes on a Friday afternoon in July of 2012. Their grandmother is believed to be the last one or one of the last people to have seen the young girls on that day. And this would have been around 1220 PM in the afternoon. They went off riding their bikes near Myers Lake in Evansdale, Iowa, where they were seen for the last time. Five months later, their bodies were recovered at Seven Bridges Park, 25 miles away from the abduction site. And to this day, the killer, their killer or killers remain at large. This made it onto my list, Captain, because it had all of the elements that I think it takes to, one, cover a case in its most thorough, in our most thorough ability, but also a case that has enough meat on the bone that that you can, you can start to formulate theories and spe- suspects and speculation in your own mind. This is a perfect armchair detective case. We, we laid out the mapping of where they would have been at the abduction time. We also laid out possibilities of who could be involved or the type of person that would be involved or who had the ability to abduct two girls at that time of day in that area. And we went through the offender profile of the, of the believed offender. And so this is a case that Again, still unsolved. After we covered it, you know, we covered it in April. Don't know if we got to this on off the record or not. For those of you unfamiliar with off the record, if there's an update on a case, if if we get some new information on a case, that's generally where we put that new information. So one, one thing that I, when I first got into true crime, be it on TV or podcasts, one thing that I didn't like is rarely, not most shows did never, they never went and revisited a case, even years after right. the fact. And when, when the captain and I said we were going to do true crime, we said, you know what, we're going to cover these cases. We're going to try to go more in depth than most shows. And we're going to try to bring you some tidbit of information that you may not hear anywhere else, but it's true and factual and it's important to the case. But We're going to take it a step further, and when we have new information, we're going to make sure that we bring it back to the audience and remind them, hey, this case is still unsolved, but here's a little new nugget that just came out, be it from the area, the media, or law enforcement themselves. After we covered it, and I don't, I'm not, there's no belief that it's because we covered it, but it doesn't hurt that we helped shine a light on this unsolved case, double homicide. In July of 2020, they were interviewing family about the case, and this is uplifting to hear. One of the family members said, I think that it will be solved soon. Now, of course, we're sitting here five months later, and we know that it is yet to be solved, but that should still be uplifting and optimistic for everybody out there because a lot of times in some of these cases, we hear family members or people in the community going, yeah, I don't think the police have a clue or yeah, I think they stopped working this case. I can't believe they haven't solved it. That's not what they're saying here in this Evansdale case. We have positive thinking. We have positive uh, response 
and saying, I think it will be solved soon. I'm hoping it will be. It was interesting too, because so many people have tied this case. I don't know if they're connected or not, but we did certainly talk about the possibility. A lot of people have tied this case because it has some similarities to the Delphi murders case. So it was, it was perfect. And we didn't really plan this out. Genius as people think we might be, or as genius or as dumb as people think we might be. Um, I don't think we planned this out, but it was, it was kind of perfect that we followed up the Evansdale murders, our coverage of their case. The following week, we did the Delphi murders discussion episode uh, because there was a lot of rumors and stuff in the Delphi case. And a quick little reminder for, again, Evansdale case, anyone with information still unsolved, you can email girls at dps.state.ia.us. Yeah, that was a fascinating case. There, there was so many looking back, looking back and going, well, that was a fascinating case, but was it one of my favorites? And um, It's not easy to put these lists together, right? It's not easy to take a look back on a whole year and just narrow it down to five shows. I thought the, the Lico Kenny case was very fascinating. Mm-hmm. I thought our interview with Bob Ruff about West Memphis 3 was really good. But also, I think it's sometimes for us when when it's looking back, it could be as simple as, well, I I like the work I did on that show. Our list would be very skewed compared to a listener's list. Yeah, yeah, the listeners. Well, list. that's why people can hop on the blog and type up your your favorite five for the year, so we can see them. There's like thousands of people right now going. This is the dumbest list. Of 2020, I've ever heard. These, Stick around. It's about these are to get not the, This is not this. This no, is I think not people, my top. And five. you know what? Who cares? This is this is my list, and you got your list. And I, I'm not going to lie to you, Captain. I was beating myself up pretty bad. I was like, I was going through all of 2020, trying to make the hard decisions, trying to narrow it down to five. But then I had to remind myself. I'm like, you know what? This is just my list. The captain is going to have his own list. And I was actually hoping that you would have different cases than what I had so that it would, it automatically expands it to 10 for, for all of us. So, so far, uh, without comparison, we, we did not sit down in advance and compare list here. We, I have no idea what the captain's going to say as usual. Um, so it's so far we've, we've not hit on any of the same cases, what was your yeah, no bumpy bumpy flicky flicky? What was your number two, Captain? Number two, and this is um this is the moment when I realized last night when I was going over my list and double checking it is I I think I I used to say I didn't care so much for gore. I don't think that's true anymore, and I don't know if that's I maybe that's how it's always been. It's never really bothered me to talk about, like somebody could talk about a, a severed head, and I, I go, okay, there, and I think it's because I don't picture it. I'm just in the conversation, so I think some people, when they start talking about his hand was cut off or whatever, I don't picture it, so it doesn't bother me so much. Where other people will hear 
graphic-natured cases and uh, it turns them off. And, and some people can't listen to that, and I respect that if that's not your thing. So number two is the Ice Box Murders episode 443 and 444. Those are recent episodes that we just did, but it, it's very graphic. But there's also a lot of twists and turns. Yes, it's a fascinating case. And again, it's another one of those cases where it's technically unsolved, but police are pretty certain who they believe did the double homicide and then fled the area afterward. But yeah, it's a it's a fascinating case. And some people have really put forward some interesting theories and speculation in that case, which leads you to some other mysteries, um, big time mysteries. We should. Well, say. and I think this is the one where you were saying if, if somebody's eating and it's like, look, if you turned on a true crime podcast while you're eating, that's on you. <laughs> right. You made that decision. I can't, <laughs> I can't put that on anymore. We've done 400 and some episodes. You kind of know what you're going to mm-hmm. get. So if you if you got that turkey on rye, put it into your mouth. Don't blame me. Yes, my number one is, and this is simply because, one, I think the episodes themselves were, were good and great and put together very well. The storytelling, pat myself on the back. I thought I did a great job. Captain was fantastic. But more so, it's about the mystery. This is a big-time mystery for me. This is one that keeps me up at night. And when we dove into this case, I couldn't shake it for weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm talking about the Las Cruces bowling alley massacre, which occurred in Las Cruces, New Mexico on February 10th of 1990. Seven people were shot. Four were shot fatally by two unidentified robbers at the Las Cruces bowling alley, which is on East Amador Avenue. After they shot the victims, robbed the place, they set the building on fire. Well, attempted to burn down the entire building, but started the fire in the office where they shot the victims prior to the two robbers leaving the building. Now, these guys were spotted by several people, so we have a good description of of what the, the offenders, what the murderers look like. But here we are 30 years later. And it's still unsolved. Now, this was a case that we covered in, it was on June 30th and July 1st, and it was episode 409 and 410. Unsolved Mysteries, and I'm talking not the Netflix version, I'm talking the original version with with the, the king of true crime TV, Robert Stack. You know, they covered this case way back when. And what was very interesting was they covered it at, in a very short, four or five minute segment. And it was simply because the case had just happened in February. And I think they released it like April, the first week of April of that same year. And it was really just unsolved mysteries was a big show at the time. Lots of ratings reaching out to everyone across the United States and even beyond. And they were really just trying to find the individuals that did this. So unsolved mysteries put together a short segment about the crimes themselves and as as cheesy as some of those reenactments can be on different shows, and they were a little cheesy on the Unsolved Mysteries one, 
it was still horrific to watch. I mean, it was, it, it, right. this was a case that just shook me to the core. And so for that reason and many other reasons, that's why it's my number one. But I was thinking about this after I put my list together and we talk about unsolved mysteries, Netflix has done two seasons I need to get caught up, Captain. I haven't watched any of the... I think it might be like a season and a half. Okay. I don't know if it's... I haven't got to... Technically two seasons. Yeah, I haven't got to summon what they're calling the volume two, I guess. I haven't got to some of the stories yet in volume two. But I think that this would be a fascinating case for Unsolved Mysteries Netflix to cover. Like, Like I said, Unsolved Mysteries covered this in just a short four or five minute segment back in the day. This is a case that you could do long form. They could do one of their 45 minute or hour long segments on this case. There are some very interesting theories and speculation. As said, the offenders were seen by several people. Well, this is also a hugely popular case. And what's been good about the new Unsolved Mysteries is they've been covering cases that haven't been covered a hundred times by other sources. That's correct. So for them to go back to uh, something that they tried to shine light on so many years ago and then to revisit it again, a case that's not brought up by a hundred different sources. Yeah. So my number one for 2020, I'm going to go with Las Cruces bowling alley massacre. Yeah. A lot of people in that case, uh, a lot of people from that area wrote into us to let us know, some different local theories and a lot of people believe that the owner got into some he was kind of like famously known for gambling so the community eventually i think kind of just chalked it up to the idea that well this guy was a massive gambler and he probably didn't pay somebody and this is their revenge or the drugs were at the heart of it we had the weird situation where the owners the bowling alley's owner's son was involved with some shady characters and involved with drugs himself. So there's some very interesting theories, very plausible theories as well. One thing we did, and one thing that I was pretty proud of in our coverage of Las Cruces Bowl, was I I can't say that we definitively linked the bowling alley massacre to another crime, but we linked it to another crime that there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of reason to believe whoever committed this previous crime was involved in in the later crime at the Las Cruces Bowl. Yeah, I think it's interesting with these towns where a big crime takes place, like the Pike County murders, where we're pretty close to Adams County. And a lot of my friends that live down there, and I I used to work down there, but it's interesting to have such a horrific crime happen and that the the community around uh, the crime comes up with multiple possible solutions or possible, I guess, the way possible storylines of of why it played out uh, the way it did and how it played out the way it did. And then they can almost move on. But until they do that, because like I said, a lot of friends from that area, I had friends that could not stop talking about it. But once they came up with their own theory, it was like old news to them. 
then obviously later the, the truth comes out and it was none of the theories that they were bringing to my attention. But it was almost like they had to be able to wrap their head around it before they can move on with their own lives. And I think that's what I saw by getting so many emails. The, the emails that we got from the local people were fascinating because there's also theories on where these two individuals may have gone after committing this crime because we have the descriptions of them. Their faces were plastered everywhere in that area. So it's very hard to believe that they would be able to stick around and remain in the area and then still go undetected. All right. Best of 2020. Let's go over the list real quick. How, how about you go over yours real quick? Okay. So mine were in order from, from five down to one. Number five, Mind Hunter, John Douglas, episodes 445 and 446. Taylor Robinson is my number four from June of 2020, episode 406 and 407. Jabez Spann from January, episodes 366 and 367. And then at number two, I had the Evansdale murders. This is the double homicide. We covered it in April episode 393, 394. And my number one was the Las Cruces bowling alley massacre from episodes 409 and 410. All right. Number five for me was high five murders episode 402 and 403. Number four was Mar Murray interview with Julie Murray episode 368 and 369. Number three shaker Heights series. I don't know what that is off the top of my head. I know we did we put that out in February. If you just go and search Shaker Heights True Crime Garage, it pops up. Number two, the Ice Box Murders, episodes 443 and 444. Number one, and this is how I know it's number one of Best of 2020. Best of 2020. I have Mindhunter, so it's the only episode that repeats on our top five list. Yes, it's number five for you, it's number one for me, but because there's a crossover, that means it's number one. There we go. It's settled. 2020. But for me, because I wasn't even really a part of the episode, I mean, I did the intros and the outros, and I probably read the the commercials or whatever. I got a nice email, the guy said... You're really good when you just read the commercials, you dumb dumb. I he goes, no, no. I got another one that says, I really like when you sit there and you shut your mouth, and then you read the commercials, you dumb dumb. I was like, oh, I love you too. Haters gonna hate, but yeah, mine hunter. And I think because one, I had to edit the interview, and so normally you start cutting out the us and the uh, you know weird noises that people make and John makes a lot of them because there's so much information in his head that he's sifting through. And I think I edited like two or three minutes and then I went back and listened to it and it made absolutely no sense. And all I was editing out was us and, uh, you know, noises really. So then I just went, He, this doesn't make any sense. I just have to kind of keep it the way it is. But what I thought was so cool, being a part of the show and, and starting the show years ago in your garage and, and sweating and 
sweat dripping on notes. I remember one time looking down at my notes, but I couldn't read them because the sweat made the ink smear everywhere. The old hot garage. But I think uh, with all this time passing and so many years of doing this show, there's multiple times in the episode, again, where John Douglas is sifting through tons of information, thousands and thousands of cases he's covered or read about or just maybe had to talk about in an interview. And sometimes when he'd get stuck on a name, he would defer to you. Nick, what's the guy's name? And again, something so small, but by like the third time he did it, you realize, well, this guy is... um having a conversation with the crispiest of the colonels. He's having a conversation eye to eye, if that makes any sense. And he was deferring to you and to think about where we started and the hours that we have spent talking about crime to hear somebody like John Douglas basically talking to you as if you guys were equals. It was neat to experience. It was almost like watching your buddy go take batting practice at like Wrigley Field or something and and hitting a home run or something while while they're doing a batting practice. And maybe I enjoyed it too because I wasn't on the episode. Well, I think some things that were so great about just that conversation with John. First off, I I did have somebody approach me and they said, um, John Douglas, that that guy, yeah, he's fascinating, but he he says uh 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 a lot. And I I said I had to inform the person. I said, well, you do understand, Mister Douglas is not a TV personality. He's not someone who spent his life studying broadcasting or someone who is on TV week after week. He's a real life FBI agent who's now retired. And he's willing to talk about his career in cases that he has actually worked. And so when you hear those us, I liken it to, you know, when we were little kids, Captain, people had these Encyclopedia Britannica where you had volume after volume. And if you looked at it on a bookshelf, it usually took up the entire shelf and you would have a, a volume for A all the way through to Z. And then there was a a book full of maps and, and geography and other things. So no. we're talking 30 books big in the collection and it covered darn near everything you could think of. I think of John Douglas as a walking real life crime encyclopedia. And those us you yeah. are hearing, that's him mentally verbally flipping through the pages in his mind of cases that he's worked And you have to keep in mind, too, there's probably a lot of stuff along the way that he's not allowed to talk about. But he witnessed it. He saw it. He experienced it. He worked it. And he has to remind himself when he goes through some of those cases of the things he can and cannot say. So that's him kind of sifting it out in real life, in real time. Yeah, John Douglas is as square and he smells better better than old books, but... Yeah, he's kind of like a walking encyclopedia. My my family was so poor that you would have to make payments, so we had A and B, but we never got past that. 
So it was, we had Encyclopedia A and then B, and then we stopped making the payments. And so every time uh, we had to do a report, I tried to pick a subject that was A or B. Yeah. Well, in so if you have any questions and the the question involves anything that starts with the letter A or B, Captain is your go to guy. Anything after forget that. Forget about it. Forget <laughs> about forget. it. I'm I'm a walking two book encyclopedia set. Well, and the other thing I want to that's the it. other thing I want to point out too with with that interview with with John Douglas that maybe well, not maybe, but people wouldn't know this. We did not supply him any questions in advance. He he didn't. Yeah, this is off the top. Yeah, of he his didn't head. ask for any questions in advance. Some sometimes the interviews we do, they want questions in advance, or they say this is the topic and the only topic that we can talk about. No, when we talked to John Douglas this last time, he said, "Ask me anything about anything." So he walked into that completely blind, completely unprepared to know what questions we were going to talk about, what cases we were going to talk about. And just fascinating the the answers that he supplied to to us and the listeners out there. But yeah, good list. I want to thank everybody for supporting us this year. And look, sometimes we make mistakes during the episodes. Sometimes we're not on our game, right? And and I don't mind when people call us out for that. I don't mind people sending emails saying, hey, you said this, and and that term is bad towards this group of individuals, right? I don't have any, I don't have any problem with people pointing out areas where I can learn and to grow. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've been doing this so many years is I feel like we continue to grow and we continue to get better. We're always trying to fight the good fight for the victims of the case. Yeah. Bringing awareness to unsolved cases and keeping these stories alive and keeping them in the, in the thoughts of everyone out there. And you can do your part by like the captain says, not just listening, but telling a friend, telling someone else, Hey, Maybe it's not telling them, hey, I love the garage. Hey, I love True Crime Garage. Check out this show. But maybe it's, hey, did you know this unsolved murder or this cold case took place here in in our state or our hometown and it was years ago? That that helps as well, keeping the cases alive. That's what we're hoping to do and bring a little bit of an entertainment along the way. So your list, Captain, fascinating my list even better, <laughs> but, um, go to truecrimegarage.com. Let us know what your favorite show of 2020 was for you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Hope you guys had as much fun going over this list as we did for all of our old episodes, download the stitcher app. They're free and check out our bonus show called off the record and join us back here in the garage next week. Until then we want you to be good, be kind and don't litter.
On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.